0: section two of the blue poetry book edited by andrew lang this librivox recording is in the public domain
1: john gilpin john gilpin was a citizen of credit and renown a train-band captain eke he of famous london town john gilpin's spouse said to her dear though wedded we have been these twice ten tedious years yet we no holiday have seen to-morrow is our wedding-day, and we will then repair unto the bell at Edmonton, all in a chaise and pair. My sister and my sister's child, myself and children three, will fill the chaise, so you must ride on horseback after we. He soon replied, I do admire of womankind but one, and you are she, my dearest dear, therefore it shall be done. I am a linen-draper bold, as all the world doth know and my good friend the calendar will lend his horse to go quoth mistress gilpin that's well said and for that wine is dear we will be furnished with our own which is both bright and clear john gilpin kissed his loving wife or joyed was he to find that though on pleasure she was bent she had a frugal mind the morning came the chase was brought but yet was not allowed to drive up to the door lest all should say that she was proud so three doors off the chase was stayed where they did all get in six precious souls and all agog to dash through thick and thin smack went the whip round went the wheels were never folks so glad the stones did rattle underneath as if cheapside were mad john gilpin at his horse's side seized fast the flowing mane and up he got in haste to ride but soon came down again for saddle-tree scarce reached had he his journey to begin when turning round his head he saw three customers come in so down he came for loss of time although it grieved him sore yet loss of pence full well he knew would trouble him much more twas long before the customers were suited to their mind when betty screaming came downstairs the wine is left behind good lack quoth he yet bring it me my leathern belt likewise in which i bear my trusty sword when i do exercise now mistress gilpin careful soul had two stone bottles found to hold the liquor that she loved and keep it safe and sound each bottle had a curling ear through which the belt he drew and hung a bottle on each side to make his balance true then over all that he might be equipped from top to toe his long red cloak well brushed and neat he manfully did throw now see him mounted once again upon his nimble steed full slowly pacing o'er the stones with caution and good heed but finding soon a smoother road beneath his well-shod feet the snorting beast began to trot which galled him in his seat so fair and softly john he cried But John, he cried in vain. That trot became a gallop soon, In spite of curb and rein. So stooping down as needs he must, Who cannot sit upright, He grasped the mane with both his hands, And eke with all his might. His horse, who never in that sort Had handled been before, What thing upon his back had got, Did wonder more and more. Away went Gilpin, neck or not. Away went hat and wig he little dreamt when he set out of running such a rig the wind did blow the cloak did fly like streamer long and gay till loop and button failing both at last it flew away then might all people well discern the bottles he had slung a bottle swinging at each side as hath been said or sung the dogs did bark the children screamed up flew the windows all and every soul cried out well done as loud as he could bawl away went gilpin who but he his fame soon spread around he carries weight he rides a race tis for a thousand pound and still as fast as he drew near twas wonderful to view how in a trice the turnpike men their gates wide open threw. and now as he went bowing down his reeking head full low the bottles twain behind his back were shattered at a blow down ran the wine into the road most piteous to be seen which made his horses flanks to smoke as they had basted been but still he seemed to carry weight with leathern girdle braced for all might see the bottlenecks still dangling at his waist thus all through Mary islington these gambols he did play until he came into the wash of Edmonton so gay. And there he threw the wash about, on both sides of the way, just like unto a trundling mop or a wild goose at play. At Edmonton his loving wife, from the balcony spied, her tender husband, wondering much to see how he did ride. Stop, stop, John Gilpin, here's the house, they all at once did cry. The dinner waits, and we are tired said gilpin so am i but yet his horse was not a whit inclined to tarry there for why his owner had a house full ten miles off at ware so like an arrow swift he flew shot by an archer strong so did he fly which brings me to the middle of my song away went gilpin out of breath and sore against his will Till at his friend the calendar's, his horse at last stood still. The calendar, amazed to see his neighbor in such trim, laid down his pipe, flew to the gate, and thus accosted him What news, what news? Your tidings tell, tell me you must and shall. Say why bareheaded you are come, or why you come at all. Now Gilpin had a pleasant wit, and loved a timely joke and thus unto the calendar in merry guise he spoke i came because your horse would come and if i well forebode my hat and wig will soon be here they are upon the road the calendar right glad to find his friend in merry pin returned him not a single word but to the house went in went straight he came with hat and wig a wig that flowed behind a hat not much the worse for wear each comely in its kind He held them up, and in his turn Thus showed his ready wit. My head is twice as big as yours, They therefore needs must fit. But let me scrape the dirt away That hangs upon your face, And stop and eat, For well you may be in a hungry case. Said John, it is my wedding day, And all the world would stare, If wife should dine at Edmonton, And I should dine at Ware. So turning to his horse, he said, I am in haste to dine. Twas for your pleasure you came here. You shall go back for mine. Ah, luckless speech and bootless boast for which he paid full dear for while he spake, a brain ass did sing most loud and clear, Whereat his horse did snort as he had heard a lion roar, and galloped off with all his might, as he had done before. Away went Gilpin, and away went Gilpin's hat and wig. He lost them sooner than at first, for why, they were too big. Now Mistress Gilpin, when she saw her husband posting down, Into the country far away, she pulled out half a crown. And thus unto the youth, she said, that drove them to the bell, This shall be yours when you bring back my husband safe and well. The youth did ride, and soon did meet, John coming back amain, Whom in a trice he tried to stop by catching at his rein but not performing what he meant and gladly would have done, the frightened steed he frightened more and made him faster run. Away went Gilpin, and away went Postboy at his heels, the Postboy's horse right glad to miss the lumbering of the wheels. Six gentlemen upon the road, thus seeing Gilpin fly, with Postboy scampering in the rear, they raised the hue and cry. Stop, thief! Stop, thief! A highwayman! Not one of them was mute, And all and each that passed that way Did join in the pursuit. And now the turnpike gates again Flew open in short space, The toll-men thinking as before That Gilpin rode a race. And so he did, and won it too, For he got first to town, Nor stopped till where he had got up He did again get down. Now let us sing, Long live the king, And Gilpin, long live he, And when he next doth ride abroad, may I be there to see. William Cooper
2: Hohenlinden. On Linden, when the sun was low, all bloodless lay the untrodden snow, and dark as winter was the flow of Iser rolling rapidly. But Linden saw another sight when the drum beat at dead of night, commanding fires of death to light the darkness of her scenery by torch and trumpet fast arrayed each horseman drew his battle blade and furious every charger neighed to join the dreadful revelry then shook the hills with thunder riven then rushed the steeds to battle driven and louder than the bolts of heaven far flashed the red artillery But redder yet that light shall glow On linden's hills of stained snow, And bloodier yet the torrent flow Of Iser rolling rapidly. Tis morn, but scarce yon level sun Can pierce the war-cloud's rolling dun, Where furious Frank and fiery Hun Shout in their sulfurous canopy. The combat deepens on ye brave Who rush to glory o'er the grave, Wave Munich, all thy banners, wave, and charge with all thy chivalry. Few, few shall part where many meet. The snow shall be their winding sheet, and every turf beneath their feet shall be a soldier's sepulcher. By Thomas Campbell
0: The Village Blacksmith Under a Spreading Chestnut Tree The village smithy stands. The smith, a mighty man, is he, With large and sinewy hands, And the muscles of his brawny arms Are strong as iron bands. His hair is crisp and black and long, His face is like the tan. His brow is wet with honest sweat, He earns whate'er he can, And looks the whole world in the face, For he owes not any man. Week in, week out, from morn till night, you can hear his bellows blow, you can hear him swing his heavy sledge with measured beat and slow, like a sexton ringing the village bell when the evening sun is low. And children coming home from school look in at the open door, they love to see the flaming forge and hear the bellows roar and catch the burning sparks that fly like chaff from a threshing floor. He goes on Sunday to the church and sits among his boys, he hears the parson pray and preach, he hears his daughter's voice singing in the village choir, and it makes his heart rejoice. It sounds to him like her mother's voice singing in paradise, he needs must think of her once more, how in the grave she lies, and with his hard, rough hand he wipes a tear out of his eyes. Toiling, rejoicing Sorrowing, onward through life he goes, Each morning sees some task begin, Each evening sees it close, Something attempted, something done, Has earned a night's repose. Thanks, thanks to thee, my worthy friend, For the lesson thou hast taught. Thus at the flaming forge of life Our fortunes must be wrought, Thus on its sounding anvil shaped Each burning deed and thought henry wadsworth longfellow
3: elegy on the death of a mad dog good people all of every sort give ear unto my song and if you find it wondrous short it cannot hold you long in islington there was a man of whom the world might say that still a godly race he ran whene'er he went to pray a kind and gentle heart he had to comfort friends and foes the naked every day he clad when he put on his clothes and in that town a dog was found as many dogs there be both mongrel puppy whelp and hound and curs of low degree this dog and man at first were friends but when a pick began the dog to gain some private ends went mad and bit the man around from all the neighboring streets the wondering neighbors ran and swore the dog had lost his wits to bite so good a man. The wound, it seemed, both sore and sad to every Christian eye. And while they swore the dog was mad, they swore the man would die. But soon a wonder came to light that showed the rogues they lied. The man recovered of the bite, and the dog it was that died. Oliver Goldsmith
1: The Outlaw o brignall banks are wild and fair and greta woods are green and you may gather garlands there would grace a summer queen and as i rode by dalton hall beneath the turrets high a maiden on the castle wall was singing merrily o brignall banks are fresh and fair and greta woods are green i'd rather rove with edmund there than reign our english queen if maiden thou wouldst wend with me to leave both tower and town thou first must guess what life lead we that dwell by dale and down and if thou canst that riddle read and read full well you may then to the greenwood shalt thou speed as blithe as queen of may yet sung she brignell banks are fair and greta woods are green i'd rather rove with edmund there than reign our english queen i read you by your bugle horn and by your palfrey good i read you for a ranger sworn to keep the king's greenwood. a ranger lady wins his horn and tis a peep of light his blast is heard at merry morn and mine at dead of night yet sung she brignall banks are fair and greta woods are gay i would i were with edmund there to reign his queen of may With burnished brand and musketoon, so gallantly you come, I read you for a bold dragoon that lists the tuck of drum. I list no more the tuck of drum, no more the trumpet here, But when the beetle sounds his hum, my comrades take the spear. And oh, though Brignall Banks be fair and Greta Woods be gay, Yet mickle must the maiden dare would reign my Queen of May. Maiden, a nameless life I lead a nameless death, I'll die, the fiend whose lantern lights the mead were better mate than I, and when I'm with my comrades met beneath the greenwood bough, what once we were, we all forget, nor think what we are now, yet Brigno banks are fresh and fair, and Greta woods are green, and you may gather garlands there would grace a summer
2: queen. Sir Walter Scott Battle of the Baltic Of Nelson and the North Sing the glorious day's renown When to battle fierce came forth All the might of Denmark's crown And her arms along the deep proudly shone By each gun the lighted brand In a bold determined hand And the prince of all the land Led them on Like leviathans afloat lay their bulwarks on the brine, while the sign of battle flew on the lofty British line. It was ten of April morn by the chime. As they drifted on their path there was silence deep as death, and the boldest held his breath for a time. But the might of England flushed to anticipate the scene, and her van the fleeter rushed o'er the deadly space between. Hearts of oak, our captains cried when each gun from its adamantine lips spread a death shade round the ships like the hurricane eclipse of the sun. Again, 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 and the havoc did not slack till a feeble cheer the Dane to our cheering sent us back. Their shots along the deep slowly boom. Then ceased, and all is wail as they strike the shattered sail or in conflagration pale light the gloom. Out spoke the victor then, as he hailed them o'er the wave, Ye are brothers, ye are men, and we conquer but to save, so peace instead of death let us bring. But yield, proud foe, thy fleet, with the crews at England's feet, and make submission meet to our king. Then Denmark blessed our chief, that he gave her wounds repose, and the sounds of joy and grief from her people wildly rose as death withdrew his shades from the day, while the sun looked smiling bright o'er a wide and woeful sight, where the fires of funeral light died away. Now joy, old England, raise, for the tidings of thy might by the festal cities blaze whilst the wine-cup shines in light. And yet amidst that joy and uproar, Let us think of them that sleep, Full many a fathom deep, By thy wild and stormy steep, Elsinore. Brave hearts to Britain's pride, Once so faithful and so true, On the deck of fame that died, With the gallant good Rue, Soft sigh the winds of heaven O'er their grave while the billow mournful rolls and the mermaid's song condoles, singing glory to the souls of the brave. By Thomas Campbell
0: Young Lochinvar. O, oh, young Lochinvar is come out of the west, through all the wide border his steed was the best, and save his good broadsword he weapons had none. He rode all unarmed, and he rode all alone. So faithful in love, and so dauntless in war, there never was knight like the young Lochinvar. He stayed not for brake, and he stopped not for stone. He swam the Esk river, where ford there was none. But ere he alighted at Netherby gate, the bride had consented, the gallant come late. For a laggard in love, and a dastard in war. "'was to wed the fair Ellen of brave Lochinvar. "'So boldly he entered the Netherby Hall "'among bridesmen and kinsmen and brothers and all. "'Then spoke the bride's father his hand on his sword, "'for the poor craven bridegroom said never a word. "'Oh, come ye in peace here, or come ye in war, "'or to dance at our bridal, young Lord Lochinvar. I long wooed your daughter, my suit you denied. Love swells like the soul wave, but ebbs like its tide. And now I am come with this lost love of mine to lead but one measure, drink one cup of wine. There are maidens in Scotland more lovely by far that would gladly be bride to the young Lochinvar. The bride kissed the goblet, the knight took it up. He quaffed off the wine and he threw down the cup. She looked down to blush, and she looked up to sigh, With a smile on her lips and a tear in her eye. He took her soft hand, ere her mother could bar. "'Now tread we a measure,' said young Lockenbar. So stately his form, and so lovely her face, That never a hall such a galliard did grace. While her mother did fret, and her father did fume, and the bridegroom stood dangling his bonnet and plume, and the bridemaidens whispered, T'were better by far to have matched our fair cousin with young Lochinvar, One touch to her hand, and one word in her ear when they reached the hall-door, and the charger stood near, so light to the croup, the fair lady he swung, so light to the saddle before her he sprung, she is one." We are gone over bank, bush, and scour. They'll have fleet steeds that follow, quoth young Lochinvar. There was mounting mong grahams of the Netherby clan, Forsters, Fenwicks, and Musgraves they rode and they ran. There was racing and chasing on Canobie Lee, but the lost bride of Netherby ne'er did they see. So daring in love and so dauntless in war, HAVE YE E'ER HEARD OF GALLANT LIKE YOUNG LOCHINVAR? SIR WALTER SCOTT
3: THE WRECK OF THE HESPERUS It was the schooner Hesperus that sailed the wintry sea, and the skipper had taken his little daughter to bear him company. Blue were her eyes as the fairy flax, her cheeks like the dawn of day and her bosom white as the hawthorn buds that ope in the month of May. The skipper he stood beside the helm, his pipe was in his mouth, and he watched how the veering flaw did blow, the smoke now west, now south. Then up he spake an old sailor, had sailed the Spanish main. I pray thee, put into yonder port, for I fear a hurricane. Last night the moon had a golden ring, and to-night no moon we see the skipper he blew a whiff from his pipe and a scornful laugh laughed he colder and louder blew the wind a gale from the northeast. the snow fell hissing in the brine and the billows frothed like yeast down came the storm and smote to main the vessel in its strength she shuddered and paused like a frighted steed then leaped her cable's length come hither come hither my little daughter and do not tremble so for i can weather the roughest gale that ever wind did blow he wrapped her warm in his seaman's coat against the stinging blast he cut a rope from a broken spar and bound her to the mast o oh, father i hear the church bells ring Oh, say what may it be tis a fog-bell on a rock-bound coast and he steered for the open sea o oh, father i hear the sound of guns Oh say, what may it be? Some ship in distress that cannot live in such an angry sea. O, oh, father, I see a gleaming light. Oh say, what may it be? But the father answered never a word. A frozen corpse was he. Lashed to the helm, all stiff and stark, with his face turned to the skies. The lantern gleamed through the gleaming snow on his fixed and glassy eyes. Then the maiden clasped her hands and prayed that saved she might be, and she thought of Christ who still the waves on the lake of Galilee, and fast through the midnight dark and drear, through the whistling sleet and snow, like a sheet of ghost the vessel swept towards the reef of Norman's woe. And ever the fitful gust between a sound came from the land. It was the sound of a trampling surf, on the rocks and the hard sea sand. The breakers were right beneath her bows. She drifted a dreary wreck, And a whooping billow swept the crew Like icicles from her deck. She struck where the white and fleecy waves Looked soft as carded wool. But the cruel rocks, They gored her sides like the horns of an angry bull. Her rattling shrouds all sheeted in ice. With the mass went by the board. Like a vessel of glass she stove and sank. Ho, ho, the breakers roared. At daybreak, on the bleak sea-beach, a fisherman stood aghast to see the form of a maiden fair lashed close to a drifting mast. The salt sea was frozen on her breast, the salt tears in her eyes, and he saw her hair like a brown seaweed on the billows fall and rise. Such was the wreck of the Hesperus in the midnight and the snow. Christ save us all from a death like this on the reef of Norman's woe. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow The Dog in the Water-Lily The noon was
1: shady, and soft airs swept Ooze's silent tide. When, scaped from literary cares, I wandered on his side. My spaniel, prettiest of his race, and high in pedigree, Two nymphs adorned with every grace that spaniel found for me. Now wanton lost in flags and reeds, now starting into sight, pursued the swallow o'er the meads, with scarce a slower flight. It was the time when Ooze displayed his lilies newly blown, their beauties I intent surveyed, and one I wished my own. With cane extended far I sought to steer it close to land, but still the prize, though nearly caught, escaped my eager hand beau marked my unsuccessful pains with fixed considerate face and puzzling set his puppy brains to comprehend the case but with a chirrup clear and strong dispersing all his dream i thence withdrew and followed long the windings of the stream my ramble ended i returned beau trotting far before the floating wreath again discerned and plunging left the shore i saw him with that lily cropped in patient swim to meet my quick approach and soon he dropped the treasure at my feet charmed with the sight the world i cried shall hear of this thy deed my dog shall mortify the pride of man's superior breed but chief myself i will enjoin awake at duty's call to show a love as prompt as thine to him who gives me all William Cooper End of section 2 of The Blue
0: Poetry Book